This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. We're continuing a series that we've been in as a church uh, called This Is Us. Um, How many like that TV show? How many had no idea it was a TV show? Awesome. 50-50. That's great. Um, So, uh, yeah, we're continuing a series uh, in the book of Hebrews, um, chapter 4. Um, and uh, we're, uh, we're going to jump right into this uh, because um, I don't have much time. And there's kids here, and kids are awesome, um, but they don't want to talk to, like, listen to me talk for a while. He's like, no, I'm not awesome. Yes, you are awesome. Um, so uh, we're going to jump right into this. Hebrews um, chapter 4, again, we're, we're working on the, the third part of this series we're in called This Is Us. The first week, uh, we talked about um, Let Us Rest. And we were encouraged that rest is uh, connection, not perfection. And it's so important because so many of us think that we have to be perfect in order to find rest in Jesus. But Jesus is more concerned with your connection than your performance. And uh, so that's what we learned week one. Week two uh, was about let us hold on. And what we have with salvation is valuable. Uh, and we need to obey God. That's how we hold on. You want to know how to hold on to your salvation? Obey God. Uh, and uh, this morning, I'm really excited to, uh, to finish this series up. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says this. says, Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm just going to read it one more time in the message because it's so good. It says this. So let's walk right up to him. And get what he is so ready to give. Isn't that so good? Take the mercy and accept the help. Take the mercy, accept the help. We're going to speak from the subject this morning. Uh, Let us be bold. Let us be bold. God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we can, we can preach it, we can teach it, we can, we can think about it, we can ponder on it, God, in this nation. So I'm so thankful for that. I just pray, God, that you would come in this moment uh, and be here. God, we just invite you to be here. Uh, this, this is not for anything else except for you to come show off. So, God, it's not about me. It's not about our team. Uh, it's not about Nova Banner. God, it's about you. God, you're our banner. You're our source. God, I pray, Lord, that you would come in this moment right now and change lives. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Let us be bold. Let us be bold. I, uh, I just got back from vacation a couple weeks ago, um, which was awesome. Uh, you're like, yeah, you don't look tanned. I was, and then it snowed, and I got pasty again. So kind of tempted to fake tan, but I heard it's like really unhealthy. No? Get cream? That sounds weird. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, I was on vacation. It was really awesome. We went to Florida. It was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, while we were there, uh, it was really cool. I got to hang out with uh, Kristen's family when I was there, and uh, her grandfather's awesome. He's like the coolest man in the world. Uh, No joke, he lives across the street from this guy that was a uh, presidential advisor for five presidents. Um, Just really, really cool people. Um, But when I was there, uh, we we, we flew into Tampa. We rented a car and drove two hours south and got into this area. Anyway, when we were there, we were asking him, like, hey, he's like, what do you guys want to do when you're here? You know, it's your vacation. What do you want to do? I'm like, "Uh, go to the beach. That's about it. Uh, I didn't want to do anything else. People were like, oh, you're going to Florida. Are you going to go to Universal? Are you going to go like, I'm like, no, God, no. That doesn't sound like vacation. It sounds awful. 
Uh, we went there, went to the beach, and it was amazing. But I remember um, probably the, the first or maybe the second day we were there, I remember um, her grandfather said, hey, if you're going to the beach, make sure you take my car. I'm like, I get to drive your car? Yes, sir. This is awesome. And uh, I didn't really understand why. And he was like, hey, just so you know, you take my car because I have a sticker on my windshield uh, and it'll allow you to park anywhere. I'm like, nice. So I get in the car, we drive down to the beach. And I'm thinking, like, this is going to be like a classic, like, you know, I'm, I'm used to Nova Scotia beaches, okay? Like, where there's more parking lot than beach. Like, that's never overflowed. Nobody goes to the beach. It's whatever. So we get there. And literally, I, I, I walk up, and, and there's a sign that says, parking by a sticker only. And that was it. And so we got out. We parked there. We have the A sticker, which is like his vehicle. So we get out. We go to the beach. It was awesome. The next day, we do the same thing. But we ran, remember this? We ran into these two guys. And uh, they looked at us, and they're like, excuse me. You can tell they were tourists. And I felt like a local, so I felt cool uh, for once in Florida. Um, and uh, they looked at me and they were like, uh, is it true that, that this is reserved for only the people with a sticker on their windshield? And uh, I, I'm feeling bad. Like, I want to help everybody. I want to love people. And I feel so bad. I'm like, uh, before I get it, oh, Kristen uh, looks at him and says, ah, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Do you remember this? <laughs> Laughed about it later. Yeah, it is. I'm like feeling bad, like all oh, these poor guys just want a vacation. They probably walked here, like they're probably they're so scared. And he's and she, and she looks at him and says that, and then she follows it up with, "If if you don't have a sticker on your vehicle, there's parking like three miles that way. Uh, it's public parking, and you have to pay for it." And, and I was like, "Snap." Man, I feel horrible for these people. And they walk by, they're like, okay, thanks for the info. My vacation sucks. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. And then, uh, you know, we, again, we had a great time at the beach. You know, we did it for a few days straight. It was awesome. Um, and I remember feeling like, and even when I was preparing this message, I remember feeling like there are so many times where I have access to something in God that I shouldn't have access to. I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, and I want to encourage you this morning that if you're here and you have faith in Jesus, you have access to the throne of God, and it's not about a sticker on your windshield or the back of your car, it's not about a card in your wallet, it has nothing to do with anything except for your faith in Jesus, you have access to the things of God, where you would say, I'm struggling with the same thing over and over again, I want to encourage you, you have access to freedom in Jesus. You have access this morning, and, and that's what I want to encourage you guys with over the next 20 minutes or so, is that you have access to the throne of heaven. You have access. Don't live without access when you have it. Makes no sense. You have access to the throne of God this morning. You know, there is access through Jesus to heaven, and heaven isn't just a destination. Heaven is real. The Bible says that you can have what's in heaven on earth. So heaven isn't just a place you go to when you die. Heaven is actually just an existence, a, a, a presence, an atmosphere that you can bring on earth. Heaven isn't just a destination. We are a part of heaven. In uh, Galatians 4, uh, verse 4 to 7, I just want to read this real quick. Um, it says this, 
uh, says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth uh, the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I want to encourage you today that you can come boldly to the throne of grace. You can come boldly. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter about your history. It matters about what Jesus did for you. God had a plan. Jesus was the plan. We have faith in the plan, and that redeems us. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter about what you've done. God has done it all. So why can we come boldly to the throne? I believe it's because it's your identity. Our identity is that we are sons and daughters of God. I don't need to ask permission as a son to go to my parents' house. I don't need to ask permission. I mean, they like warning me, like they want a warning when I'm coming over, but I don't need to. They're not going to be offended if I show up and I don't ask. Uh, Why? Because I'm a son of theirs. And as sons and daughters of God, you don't need permission to talk to Jesus. You don't need permission to talk to God because it's your identity. You're a son and you're a daughter. You don't need permission to access God. I believe this. When you know whose you are, then you know who you are. When you know whose you are, then you know who you are. And you also know who you're not. See, sometimes I believe our identities are so wrapped up in what other people have said about us. People have said mean things about us, maybe some, some things that have been catching up to you. And what I think is crazy is that we look at the Bible and you read the stories of Jesus. So many times you, Jesus will run into a situation and, and the author of the Gospels will, will say things like, uh, we never really get the person's name. Like whenever Jesus runs into the, these scenarios in, in, uh, in the Gospels, we only get the person's gender and their issue. Have you noticed that? It's like their name isn't important enough for the authors. That we get their gender and their issue. We have the woman caught in adultery. We have the rich young ruler. We have the woman with the issue of blood. We don't have names associated. We just have genders and issues. And I believe the same thing that was the problem back then, even when the Bible was written, is the same problem we have today. So many people, come on, I know, I know that, that you, you've experienced this in your life. People want to know your issue before they know your name. Because they want to identify you as your issue. But I came to remind you this morning that all the issues that people put on you, Jesus put on himself on the cross so you could be free of any issue and any shame and any disappointment that you've been holding on to. God put it on himself on the cross. You are free from labels. You're free from stereotypes. You're free from any issue that the world wants to put on you. Jesus took it away from you. You're free. Our identities are so wrapped up in what other people say about us, sometimes we think it's actually what God says about us. Sometimes we're so convinced and so annoyed with where we're at and you know, who's talking about us and what issues we have, we forget that the designer of us is the one that gave us our identity 
and we can hold on to that. See, sometimes uh, we think God's mad at us or uh, God, um, we need to do a certain number of things in order to gain God's approval or uh, we, we, we take our whole lives and we try and perform the best we can in order to get our prayers answered from God. And you know what? Sometimes, I don't know why, God doesn't answer every prayer. And if I look back in my life, I'm thankful God didn't answer every prayer. Because there's some prayers I prayed in moments of weakness where I was like, oh God, thank you for not answering that prayer. But sometimes we're so convinced that it's our performance that holds us back and all this. But I want to encourage you, when God looks at you, he doesn't see sin, he sees his son. He looks at you and he sees Jesus. How freeing is that? You don't have to be anybody else. You can be you. Because when God looks at you, he doesn't see your issues. He doesn't see your sin. He sees his son, blameless, holy, righteous, able, full of peace, full of joy. That's who God sees when he looks at you. That's how you can see yourself. You can see yourself as God sees you. I just want to hit pause here for a second and just talk about the reality that uh, there's a heaven and there's a hell uh, and there's a choice. But, you know, sometimes we get uh, so wrapped up in, uh, I don't know, growing up in the church. I mean, I felt like there was always somebody that said the devil was after them. Uh, the devil's after my money, he's after my family, he's after all, you know, devil's after me. And I remember growing up in church feeling like, I feel like maybe, because the Bible teaches that, that God is omnipresent, but the devil is not. So sometimes we give the devil too much credit. The devil's probably, I mean, Halifax is ranked about 130 for like crime in Canada. Um... I don't think that the devil's in Halifax. Um, I think there's a lot of other hurting nations in the world that maybe the devil's a part of. I think sometimes we, we give the devil too much credit when really we just need to get out of our own way. The biggest person that can hold me back from God's plan isn't the devil. It's not you. It's me. I can talk myself into something and I can talk myself out of something. But the devil sometimes, and, and, and you know, sometimes you feel like you can't, move forward. And uh, the devil, I want to encourage you that he's a liar. He's a liar. And I just got to call it out. Some of us have had a crazy week. I just got to say the devil's a liar. I don't know what he's been whispering in your ear. I don't know what you've been thinking about. I don't know the good or the bad, but I just want to encourage you the devil's a liar. He's a liar. The Bible says that he walks around like a roaring lion. I remember hearing that when I was a kid and I was like, the devil's a lion? Thought that thought that lion was God. Uh, the devil's a lion. What the heck? And I realized that it says that he walks around like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion. His bark is worse than his bite. He can't do anything to you. The only thing he can do is convince you that you're not worthy, and convince you that your identity isn't found in Jesus; it's found in your performance. He'll try and convince you that, that you're not good enough. And I remember growing up, uh, 
my, uh, my brother, my younger brother, uh, was, was like my best friend. He was really into skateboarding at one point, right? It's like everybody was when I was in high school. It was like the cool thing to do. Um, but like I was that kid that I wasn't really that good, but I liked hanging out with the people that, that like were skateboarding and stuff, you know? So like I would want to wear the skateboarding clothes. And so this one time in school, I got called out for being a poser. It was like the worst thing in the world, man. Like when you're in school, like someone calls you a poser. I'm like, I just get, I, I, was so, I was so embarrassed. Like what, I'm a poser? Are you kidding? And I realized, yeah, you actually are. <laughs> and um, I remember being so like upset that somebody called me a poser that I was trying to learn how to ollie on my skateboard. And uh, I, <laughs> you guys feel bad. It's like a real story. This is my journey, okay? Don't feel bad for me. Uh, so I was learning how to, how, to, how to ollie on my skateboard, and I, and I was staying up. I mean, I was out on my street for I don't know how many hours one night, and I finally did it, but I was, I was trying for like hours and hours. The next morning, I couldn't even walk. Like My legs were like numb, and I was like, you know what? That's worth it. I'm not a poser. I'm not a poser. And uh, I was thinking about that this week, and I was like, man, how often have I should be calling out the devil for being a poser? Because he's, he's not a lion. He's, he's nothing in my life. I heard a preacher one time say this, you want to talk to the devil, write a note and put it on the bottom of your shoe because he's under your feet. You don't talk to him face to face. You look down when you talk to him because he is not on your level. He's not on your level. He's not on your level. And uh, so many of us are convinced that we're, we could be scared of the devil and shrink back. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible says that you're the head and not the tail. You're above and you're not beneath. These are the plans that God has for you. They're for a future and a hope to give you purpose and direction. Yes, God wants you to be free. Yes, God wants you to be successful. Yes, God wants you to have all the things in this life. But he also wants you to have faith. And sometimes faith comes from hard times. Sometimes it comes from hard times, but I want to encourage you that the devil and you are not on the same level. So don't play his game. Don't talk to him like you talk to, to the average person. You can dismiss him. He is nothing. He'll try and confuse you into thinking your identity is found in your performance. And he'll remind you of all the things you did wrong. The Bible says that He's the accuser of the church. He wants you to believe that your sin is bigger than the sacrifice of Jesus. See, this will free you if you can remember it in the future. So, so, so many times you can come to church and you can be like so on fire for God and you're like, oh man, I could change the world. And then like Monday morning hits and it snows and, and you're in traffic and you get some bad news, and it's like, I kind of miss my Sunday morning faith. <laughs> Where's the worship team? Where's the coffee? I'm weak. You know, and I feel like I'm not the only one. But if you can, if you can get this into your spirit once and for all, that the devil's primary target and thought is for you to believe that what you did and your sin is greater than the sacrifice of Jesus. 
That's his whole goal. That's his game. And he'll change it around and he'll do the play a little bit differently, but that's his game. For you to believe that what you did wrong is, is bigger than the sacrifice of God. We always talk about, you know, Easter's coming up, and I love Easter. It's just, it's so awesome. I love, I love that the mini eggs are all year round, by the way, now. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but but, but um, I, I love Easter, and, and sometimes I get, I don't know, I get a little passionate because some people, um, I believe as Christians, Easter is actually the most important holiday for us. I mean, yeah, Christmas is awesome. I love Christmas. It's, it's so much fun. It's great. But Easter is our Why? Because we don't serve a dead God. See, every other religion wants you to believe some, some, some belief systems and some rules and, and all that, and the person that wrote them is no longer around. But if you abide by these rules, you'll come to a conclusion, and there'll be good news at the end. But I want to hear, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So we believe that as a church. And I just want to say to you that the coming, Jesus being born was one thing. Him dying was amazing, and I'm so thankful for that. But I'm here today, and you're here today, because God is alive. He is alive. And when you, when you pray, and when you speak to him, you don't speak to a dead God, or a God that's distant, or a God that's deaf, or a God that doesn't care. You are praying to an active, living being that numbered the stars in the galaxy and placed the planets in their space, and he knows the number of hairs that are on your head. God is in control, and he's alive. And so I get so passionate about Easter, and I don't understand why, like, I don't know, this might sound like a little bit of a guilt trip, don't feel guilt, but I, I, I get so confused when Christians take Easter off. Like, I don't, I don't come to church on Easter Sunday. Like, what? What do you mean? Why do you come the rest of the year? It's about Jesus, and he's alive. We should celebrate on Easter. This is our why. Jesus came, he died, and now he's alive. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. See, I think that, that sometimes, uh, for myself anyway... I'm always concerned about how much the, uh, the devil doesn't want me to walk into my calling and walk into my identity. And I feel like for me, the biggest fight I have, like I said before, is in my mind. And uh, I remember one time, it was around 10-ish years ago when I really felt like I, I was going to drop everything I knew and I was just out of high school uh, and I, I was, I had this moment where I realized that, you know what, I actually feel like I'm called to preach the gospel with my life, and I remember being so scared to say that, you know, because I felt, like, bad by it, like, oh, man, like, should I be, like, going to university, taking business, should I, I felt like I wanted to be a school teacher, and, like, I had all these things, and I kept coming back to this moment where God called me, and he spoke to me, he said, you're going to preach the gospel, and that's your purpose, that's your calling. And I remember at the time being so wrapped up in 
my performance and being so wrapped up in all the things I can't do. And I mean, I would be in school and presentations at school and I'd be so nervous, my hand would shake. I would put it up on the, like the chalkboard or the whiteboard at school, like on the, the shelf where the markers were, and I'd be shaking, and the markers would be shaking. And I, I just, I, I, was so, I was so scared. I was so nervous. I was like, God, you didn't call me to this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and I believed this lie that God only calls the qualified. And I remember somebody told me before that, you know what, Matt? God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. It's not about how qualified I am. He qualified me. The only person that can unqualify me is me and my mind. I remember going through this journey and specifically this one moment I had one time before I was preaching for my first time and uh, I was in a youth ministry then and it was awesome and we were so we were we were meeting like something like 400 kids a week or something insane and it was so much fun and i remember feeling so condemned cuz i wasn't living perfect and i had issues and i remember this moment where where god revealed to me this absolute truth that the bible transforms your mind and for me, it wasn't about listening to worship music. It wasn't about worshiping. It wasn't about having coffee with people. For me, I needed my mind transformed. I needed to come to a new mind. And I'll never forget it. I met with this pastor, and he said I had some issues one time. I was struggling. So I memorized the book of Romans. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And I felt even more discouraged. Like, who memorizes the book of Romans? Like, who is this guy? And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to read the book of Romans, and I'm just going to read the book of Romans. And I read it, and I read it. And I kept getting stuck on this one chapter. I'd get up to this one chapter, and I'd stop, and I'd read it dozens and dozens of times. And it's Romans chapter 8. And the reason why is I kept reading it is because it kept transforming my mind every time I read it. So Romans chapter 8, the first verse says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And I would read it over and over and over, and I'd feel condemned, and I'd do something wrong, and all of a sudden I would go back to Romans 8, 1, and I would say, There is therefore no condemnation. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. I'd read it, and I'd read it, and my mind would begin to be transformed. And I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're walking and God's calling for your life, and that's amazing. Maybe you're struggling with what God's called you to do. Maybe you're confused. I want to encourage you. This isn't just a history book. This isn't just a book that some, some old guys wrote. This isn't just a book that's gone up through the ages but this is actually a book that can transform and change your mind. I'm a living testimony that this book works. It works. It works. For me, my biggest struggle growing up in the church was religion. If I can come to church and then leave and do my religious duty, that's good enough for me. That's how it was for me growing up in the church. I needed to meet Jesus. So many of us are, are uh, we come to church and, and, and maybe you're here this morning, you don't know who God is and, and you're kind of confused about this thing. This book can transform and change your life. It can. It's the only book 
that reads you when you read it. It's like you're looking at a mirror. It can transform and change your mind. So if you're struggling with your identity, you're struggling with, with who am I, I want to encourage you. There's 66 books of God showing his love for you. If you pick it up and read it, I want to encourage you, you don't need to get on a Bible reading plan and start from Genesis and three in the old and one in the new. Just I want to encourage you, just read Sometimes you're reading something and it's like somebody begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, and you're like, what in the world does this mean? I want to encourage you, the words themselves are power and holy and they will transform you. It doesn't matter what part of it you're reading, it has the power to transform your life. God knows the plans he has for you, they're for good and not for evil. See, the devil wants to remind you of all the things you've done wrong. The devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. But God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. See, the devil's so concerned about your identity. But I'm so thankful and I'm so glad that I'm on a first name basis with God. That he doesn't look at me and forget who I am. He knows my name. He knows me. He doesn't know me by my shame and my sin. He knows me by my name. He knows me by my name. Second point I wanted to talk about this morning is now we know we have boldness to get to the throne of grace. Now we know it's in our identity. Now we know that when we pray, God listens to us. Now we know it's not about our performance, it's about him and what he's done for us. But what are we going to do now? What are we going to do with this knowledge and knowing where, where we stand with God? What are we going to do with it now? What are we going to do? Come to church on Sunday? Yeah, we can do that. How about being the church throughout the week? I believe that there's a city that's hurting. And they're relying on our access to God. Our access can very much be our, our city's success. I remember this last summer, I was, uh, I, was, I was working like crazy. I mean, I just took like three weeks off to get married, and it was awesome, but came back, and there's so much work to do. And uh, I don't even know if I told you this, so anyway, sorry. You're learning this too. So, uh, so I came back from, from, from this, and I, apparently I won concert tickets uh, to go. <laughs> so mad at me. Um, so you know that big country music festival? It's in Cavendish. Uh, so uh, I, uh, it's every summer. I won VIP, like, backstage tickets to that. And, um, and, and man, I got back, and I, I guess I was in a contest. I don't even remember and uh, so they're just sitting in my filing cabinet at work and whatever. I was like, eh, who cares about country, whatever. And, uh, and, and they, were like, they were like, meet the band. They were like the best. And, uh, and I remember uh, a couple weeks uh, went by and somebody came up to me and they're like, they're like, man, I'm so pumped for this weekend. And I'm like, what's, what's going on this weekend? I'm like, I'm working all weekend. Like, what? Like, man, it's the Cavendish, like the, the, the country festival concert. It's going to be awesome. I'm like, Yeah heard about that and uh, a couple days went by I saw them again on Monday morning like how was your weekend oh it was awesome 
I was like, I think I had tickets to that. I don't know why. And I mean, I forget like so much. Like I get made fun of for forgetting stuff. Like Christian and me, like me and Christian, man. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not a hamster murderer, but like <laughs> I, I have, I have forgotten a lot of stuff. And, and I remember talking to this person that came back. I'm like, man, how was it? Man, it was so awesome. I was like, I was like, did you happen to like, what kind of tickets did you get? Oh, like, man, they were so expensive. I got them last minute. I was like in the very back. I'm like, ah. I was like, can I show you something? I was like, you can't, you can't tell anyone. Don't judge me. Like, yeah, sure. I go over my filing cap and open it up. Two VIP backstage tickets still sitting in there. And he was so bad. He's so mad. You had these and you didn't use them? What is wrong with you? I'm like, ah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I kind of forgot. Didn't really care. Could have sold them, I guess. And I remember thinking this, and I was thinking about this this week. I was like, man, like, I've done a lot of dumb things in my life. That was, that was one of them. And I remember feeling so guilty because I could have gave them to somebody that actually could have used them. And I was thinking about this this week, and, and I was like, man, how many times do we have access How many times do we have access to the things of God? I'm an ugly crier, sorry. How many times do we have access to the things of God and we don't do anything about it? They're not in a filing cabinet. Sometimes they're just tucked away in our heart. We like that we have access to God's grace and his goodness and his mercy. Sometimes we forget that it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the people that don't know God yet. It's for the people that are struggling and hurting. It's for the people that have no peace and are wrestling with mental illness and they're wrestling with, with things in their life that are real, genuine pain. And here we are as Christians and we know God and God's changed our life, but for some reason we hide in our church. We hide it in our heart. We shrink back. I don't know if some, anybody wants to hear the gospel today. Don't rob somebody from their miracle. Somebody needs to connect with God. And they might not ever come to church. They might not ever know Jesus. They might not ever read the Bible, but they know you. They might be a classmate, might be a parent, might be somebody in your family, might be a coworker, might be a boss, might be a friend, might be a neighbor. How many people do we walk by every single day so hard to reach out. We have the best news in the entire world that Jesus came and set us free. The good news of the gospel starts with we all have sinned and all fell short of God. We're all on the same level. There's nobody better than anybody else. We've all sinned and fell short, but God had a plan. I was thinking about this this week and I'm about to finish. You know, God, the beginning of the, of the Bible talks about God being alone. That, I thought this was crazy. We, we worship God and we think God's amazing and God's incredible, but God didn't want to be by himself. We believe in one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And 
the collective Godhead. We, we believe that God existed before the beginning of time, but God wasn't satisfied with being by himself. That amaze you? Like, wait, God wasn't good enough for God? God wanted community. So he created you. He created Adam and Eve in the garden and, and, and humanity started because God wanted community. He wanted you. And the story goes on and, and humanity sinned and they fell short of God and they can no longer connect with God because God's perfect and just and peace and they can't connect with them because they fell short of him. So he didn't give up on humanity. He sent Jesus. And Jesus was the bridge to connect humanity back to God. He's the final plan. And I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you, you've come to church before. Maybe it's your first time. I just want to encourage you, if I can get everybody to bow their head and close their eyes, that I don't know where you've been, but I do know God's real. And he has a plan for you. You'd say, Matt, I... I've prayed before, but I never really, I don't really know God. If that's you all, all across this room, I'm just going to get you to, to just connect with me just for a moment. I believe you can leave here knowing God. I believe you can leave here knowing if you died, you went to heaven. I believe you can leave here knowing, not confused. I believe you can know. If you're here for, for, for that and you're like, man, I really feel like I want to connect with God. If you would say, Matt, I really, I really think I, I want to connect with God. I'm not going to embarrass you. All I'm going to do in this moment, it's private. Everybody's eyes are closed. I'm just going to encourage you, if you just want to raise your hand and put it right back down, I'm just going to pray a prayer. I got one hand. I got two hands. That's awesome. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you down front. That's awesome. Anybody else? One hand in the back again. That's three hands. It's so awesome. So awesome. Best decision you can ever make. Why don't we just all stand together? We all stand together in this place, everybody. If you put your hand up, um, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and everybody's going to pray. Uh, because we believe salvation is between you and God, not you and, and you know, everybody, everybody around you. It's between you and God. That's what salvation is, between you and God. So we're going we're gonna to pray as a, as a group of people all together at the same time. We're just going to repeat after me. Uh, and these aren't magical words, um, but it will be your first prayer, uh, which I think is really awesome. And uh, if you just want to repeat this after me, we're all going to pray together. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and make me a new person. From this moment forward, I give you control. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those three people that just decided for Jesus? It's so awesome. It's so awesome. The Bible actually says that heaven goes crazy when people accept Jesus. They're like, man, there's more people that get to come to heaven. And the angels go crazy and God's pumped. And depending on what you what, what part of the, you believe, there's actually this giant book in heaven they call the Lamb's Book of Life, and there's an angel writing your name in there. How awesome is that? And I, I truly believe that heaven 
is not only a destination, but heaven can be on earth. And I love that. As, as we went on this morning, I also talked about what are you going to do when you approach the throne of God? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And uh, for, for the next uh, couple minutes, after I dis- we're, we're going to dismiss here in a minute, um, I just want us to join together in prayer. And I want you to picture the people that live on your street. I want you to picture your family, your classmates, the people you work with, people you run into on a daily basis. I don't know what your Monday looks like. But tomorrow, picture the people that you're going to run into from the moment you wake up till you go to bed. I want you to close your eyes and just picture these people. Picture their faces. Picture their stories. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you, God, for strength. And I thank you for boldness. And I pray this week, God, let us be bold this week. Let us be bold this week. Let us approach your throne. Let us pray. Let us pray for those people that need our help. Let us pray for people we haven't even met yet. God, let us pray this week. I pray, God, that you would use us. I pray, God, that you would use us in this city to reach dying and hurting people. I pray, God, that no opportunity would pass us by. I pray, God, if we, if we make a mistake and we miss out on opportunity, I thank you, God, that there's no condemnation. I pray, God, that they, immediately we would get back into your flow and back into your grace, and we would look for the next opportunity to share your love with somebody. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Because sometimes actions speak louder than words. God, I pray for our actions this week. You'll help us to live right. You'll help us to be holy. Help us to be righteous. You'll help us, God, to be your hands and feet in our city this week. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.